You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I wanted to let you know that we're hiring a design director here at Glitch. You know, we're growing every day, and we're really looking for a design director to not only help build a team of talented designers, but also to help deliver a unified experience to our audience of consumers, curators, and creatives. If that sounds like something right up your alley, then check out the show notes for a link to the job listing. Now let's hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Sappy North America's Ideas That Matter program, a grant competition that supports designers partnering with nonprofit organizations on social impact projects. Since the start of the program 20 years ago, Sappy, a maker of high-quality printing, packaging, and release papers, as well as dissolving wood pulp, has witnessed firsthand how the creative work of designers can change society. They remain committed to the belief that good ideas inspire people to take action and great ideas can change the world. If you'd like to submit a project you care about, the 2019 deadline to apply for a grant is July 19th. To learn more about the program, visit sappy.com forward slash ideas that matter. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like a glitch, but for designers, Abstract is your team's version control source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs, all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 30-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Now for this week's interview. It's a conversation with extra special guests Gail Anderson and Kat Small. This was recorded at our 300th episode celebration at the Green Space in New York City earlier this month. Let's start the show. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for coming out. Uh, my name is Anil Dash. I'm the CEO at Glitch. And uh, this is a special night. I'm so pleased to see so many of you here. Uh, especially, you know, going out in New York while it's still daylight out, that means you are showing love. We appreciate it. Um, and one of the reasons that this is so special is because Revision Path is so special. How many of you have been listeners for Revision Path? You subscribe, you hear it on podcasts on your phone. A lot of hands. Um, I want to give you a little bit of background about where it comes from because it comes from a person. It comes from Maurice Cherry. I want to tell you a little bit about Maurice uh, before we start the evening. Um, uh, Maurice and I are like OGs in social media. We both have been doing this for almost 20 years. And we crossed paths uh, in the early days when he had created uh, uh, the uh, late, great uh, Black Weblog Awards. And it was one of the first platforms to center and amplify black voices and to recognize black voices in social media. And it was um, revelatory and necessary and important, and it helped change how people saw the medium itself. Uh, and a lot of deserved recognition came out of that. And we stayed in touch after that, and it's been a, a joy many years later to get to you know, work with Maurice on a, on a proper basis. And one of the most important reasons why you know, we reconnected and, and why I had stayed such a fan was seeing what he built with Revision Path. 
Uh, for those of you that don't know, if folks are new or you come to the event and you don't have that background, uh, what we're celebrating with Revision Path, uh, reaching 300 episodes today, is a platform that has, again, centered and amplified black voices, specifically black designers in every discipline, every you know field that design is connected to, over and over and over again, week in and week out. And you know, one of the things you'll see is, is, is you know, you were getting coming in, you saw the, all the faces and the names and the numbers of the episodes that were on there. And I was just backstage with Maurice, and I want to tell you all what I saw, which was every single one of those folks. You know, he said, "Oh, Paul, Paul's in this neighborhood. This is what he's doing." Every single one of these, "Oh, D, oh, she, this is what she's doing." And she used to have this other job, and three years ago she moved over to here. I mean, it was shoe size and like complete LinkedIn history of every single one of these people. And you know, all of you know, there are people who, you know, talk about amplifying things. There are people that talk about, I'm going to have people on my show. But to know the history, the story, the life, the work of 300 people uh, whose voices have been amplified, I think that is a testament um, both to, you know, Maurice's dedication, but also to the love of everybody uh, who is a Revision Path listener, uh, who's been part of the community, who's come out tonight. Uh, so I thank you all for being here. Uh, and probably the most exciting part I'm going to get to do tonight is to introduce somebody that I uh, get the pleasure of working with almost every day. Uh, and that is somebody I hope you all join me in welcoming, Maurice Cherry. Hi, everybody. Thanks. I see some familiar faces out here. I know you. I know you. I know, I know some of y'all. Yeah, no, thanks for coming out. Um, so yeah, 300 episodes. This is really a huge accomplishment. I mean, even you can tell, like, the faces that you see back here are like maybe the first 20, 30 or so interviews that I ever did. So I've wanted to sort of keep this as like a reminder that it's not about me, it's about the people, it's about the design industry, about the black people of the design industry. So um, let's introduce our panelists. Uh, first up, the inimitable National Design Award winning Gail Anderson. And also, Cat Small is next. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Good evening. How's it going? It's good to see both of you. Can you yeah. all hear me? Can you all hear me? Yeah. Okay, all right. It's good to see both of you again. Yes. Yes. Um, just so you all know, I do have questions on my phone. This does not mean that I'm not prepared. It just means they're on my phone. <laughs> so. I will first ask you, though, 300? Really? Yeah. How have you kept this going? Well, technically, as of this week, it is uh, <laughs> 301, nice. I think. Woo! So we have bonus yes. episodes yes. that we've done, but yeah. So how do you, I mean, how, how do you keep anything going that long? How do you exercise? For, right? <laughs> so like, like, how do you keep this going? For um, it's really about consistency. I mean, well, well of course obviously. it's about consistency, but <laughs> for me it's about creating systems mm. to automate most things. It's also about outsourcing things when you can. Like, don't get me wrong, in the first few days I was doing everything. And then by the time, I think, before coming to Glitch, it certainly was this person did this, this person did that, and then we all just kind of came together. Um, and then just planning for the rest. You know, like I know Christmas happens every year. So we need to get together our gift guide 
three months in advance so we can be ready when Christmas goes. You know, like it's that sort of thing. So a no, lot of it is not. just planning. It's not. It's more than that. So it's plan. I mean, it's planning. It's consistency. It's outsourcing. It's really just being vigilant. I mean, if I didn't love this, I wouldn't keep doing it. So of course, having the love for it is a big part of it as well. And don't you ever run out of black people after a while? <laughs> you would be surprised how many of us are out here. You'd that be is surprised. Like the best I, ha I still have like a running list of probably close to a thousand people that I can reach out to and just make, I mean, I won't say make it happen like it's an automatic thing, but I do have people that I can reach out to worldwide that can come on the show. So, yeah. Okay. So like thousandth episode party? Yeah. I mean, if we get that far, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. 500. But, yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, let's start with that. Let's start with 500. <laughs> all right. But what have both of you been up to? So I know that you both were on the show in 2017 at different times. Like, what have you all been up to since the show? Um, well, um, I'm the creative director of Visual Arts Press at the School of Visual Arts um, which is sort of the in-house design studio. Um, and I'll be moving out of that role um, on August 1st and will become um, chair of the BFA advertising and BFA design departments at SVA, nice. which is, uh, I, I will be replacing uh, Richard Wilde, who's been chair for 50 Years. Ooh. I'm so happy because I went to SVA too. So oh, okay. Like, so yeah, then I'm like, ah! So <laughs> I remember all of this. Yes. I'm so proud. Richard is retiring wow. after 50 years. Wow. <laughs> and um, I am, you know, in that shadow and yeah. following in those footsteps and all of those things. So, well, a big life change. And nice. Close to a thousand students. Ooh. It's a lot of faces to remember. It's a lot of, it's like, it's a lot of hey, you. <laughs> yeah. Everyone. A lot of designs so, to critique. A lot of design. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. So that's that's a big a big thing. Yeah. Kat, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, what have you been doing? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been some time. I actually released, I feel like during the last time that we talked, I was, I probably talked about like a couple of things, which was like the Game Doves of Color Expo mm -hmm. and then uh, the game that I was working on, and I finally released it after five years of work, so that was amazing. What's the name of the game? It's called Sweetheart. It has an X between sweet and heart, because it's kind of like, no, I'm not your sweetheart. Um, <laughs> and it's about catcalling um, and like moving between different spaces as a black woman uh, who works in technology, is a designer, a creative person who lives in the Bronx, and really exploring like race, gender, and micro microaggressions and like what it means. Um, so I grew up in uh, like the Norwood area, and then I moved to the uh, it's called like Williams Bridge, like the two hundred, okay. yeah, yeah, like on the oh. two train. So yeah, I grew up at the end of the five train or oh, the end of the two. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So like. Right around, yeah, like 219th Street is where I lived when I was uh, East 233 for me. I see yeah. you. Mm -hmm. This is great. I'm like, <laughs> we have the SVA thing. Yeah. We have like the Wait, Bronx where'd you go thing. to high school? I went to LaGuardia. <laughs> I went to Cardinal Spellman. Oh, I see you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. other than that, I mean, yeah, I'm, I work at Etsy. I've been at Etsy for like 
uh, going closer to three years, which mm -hmm. is like the longest time I've ever worked at a tech company. Um, wow. So I'm like really, it's been cool to like get that depth of knowledge about a product at this point. Nice. Yeah. So I really want to talk to both of you about design education. Um, of course, Gail, you being now at this, I mean, you've been at SVA for a long time and then now rising to this position. And of course, I want to talk to you, Kat, because I think the work that you do ends up inspiring and teaching a lot of people. You've done a Skillshare class, right? Did you yeah, yeah, that was done, fun. I also did that. Yeah, you did a Skillshare class. That's <laughs> right. like an onion layer of So stuff. I'd love to sort of talk about sort of the state of design education. Like, Where do you both kind of see it in this current state? <laughs> I mean, I see it as you, as yeah, as as your generation and your your interests in um, you know the the world being at your fingertips. Um, how do I encourage you, and how do I uh, keep you interested and keep you growing? And um, you know, you guys get to create the product and not just put a skin on the project the product mm -hmm. or decorate the product mm -hmm. and that's so exciting yeah yeah it's really like interesting to be a designer now because so many like places that I work now are very much like how do we integrate design earlier and really like get designers involved with actually thinking about like business strategy mm -hmm. um so I have definitely started to when I can advocate for conversations around ethics and I, I'm really interested in ways that we can continue to teach that as a, a thought uh, practice. Um, so yeah, I also think like in general making design more accessible has been really cool because not everyone can afford to go to SVA, although it is like a great school and you get to connect with a lot of really interesting people. Like that is definitely a privilege. And the more that we can hopefully like start connecting people to mentors and have more online schooling, um, more like nonprofit classes that do give people access to the spaces that we're in that really like prepare them also for what they're going to enter. Um, I think the the better, hopefully, things will continue to get. Do you see more of design education still being rooted in like a traditional four year like didactic type of program, or do you see it more going online? I'm not sure about the online part. Okay. Yeah. Why is that? Um, I feel like you need the one on one critique um, mm -hmm. to, to gauge someone's tone of voice and uh, to, to s have that nervous moment when your work is spoken of in front of your classmates or when you have to defend your work in front of other people because yeah. you're going to have to do that in yeah. real life. Um, so for design, I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe some courses can have an online component, but it's for me. It's still about getting um, shy students to mm -hmm. have the confidence to speak. So um, it's built in for so many, and not built in for so many more. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think like the thing that is hard is like you can do a lot of self-study, but at the same time, if you, like you're saying, like if you don't have that actual like human interaction, which you can like kind of get if you have like comments and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. So like Skillshare has commenting, which like can be helpful for critique, but it's not the same as like having someone actually test something that you're working on. Yeah. So if you do end up going that route, you'd really have to like 
force yourself to go out and like test your work with lots of random people, which is, I mean, it's just different from like having a curated environment where people are taught how to give critique and get to actually learn how to communicate with each other in this safer space. Mm -hmm. Do you think things like video chat help to bridge that gap? Mm -hmm. I think that could be like a cool um, like midpoint where it's like it still makes it accessible to people who either can't physically be at these schools or maybe don't have the funds, but um, it still, again, like creates that space where people can have those more intimate conversations. So like, yeah, I think if more online schools started having those actual gatherings for people, I could see that being a great way to have it be uh, better for everyone. The low-res programs that are offered um, in the grad departments at SVA um, have the component of, of meeting in the summer um, or at some point during the time that you're in school. So you, mm -hmm. while most of it is online or out there separately, you, you do have these moments where you, when you are together. And I think that's, that's really important. Although I know it's so difficult for so many people to have to spend the money to find the, the housing, to yeah. put life on hold. Yeah. Um, at least in the low-res situation, it's for a short period. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I know. Um, one of the people who I had on the show probably, I think it was last year, maybe, maybe before then, was uh, Cheryl D. Miller, who I think you mm -hmm. might, you're familiar with, are you familiar mm -hmm. with Cheryl? Um, she's episode, I think, 248. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Cheryl D. Miller, um, when she was a graduate student at Pratt Institute, which is here in, um, in New York City, she wrote this entire thesis about like, black designers transcending the problems to become like, successful in the industry. And a lot of it did have to do like, with sort of the, the financial hit that had to come with just mm -hmm. going to school and like, getting the degree yeah. and things like that. I, I even interviewed someone today whom... They had a graphic design degree from undergrad, I don't know, maybe in like the late 90s, early 2000s, still worked, did a bunch of work in the industry, like did work, started their own business and everything, but still went back to school because they felt like they needed to have that master's degree to like, mm -hmm. like validate the years of experience of work that they've already done, which I thought was really interesting. And I've um, done some work at... Uh High School of Art and Design here in mm -hmm. the city, mm -hmm. and you know, we're working with kids who, in some cases, may not go farther than the high school experience for um, getting in as much design preparation as possible, mm -hmm. and we'll be leaving there to go out and get a job right after, and might not have the opportunity to um, invest in, you know, the New York City Art School experience. Yeah. So, um, it's the range of people looking at grad school and mm -hmm. post-grad now and, mm -hmm. and somebody who has to be ready right out of high school. Yeah. I guess given what we've discussed, what changes would you like to see in how design education is, is sort of, I would say taught, but also, I guess, administered? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> we can be work now. <laughs> Don't start till August first. Okay? I mean, this is about to be what you're doing. Yeah. So, I no, mean, I know. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it's... Help. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the experience here um, is a very international one, mm -hmm. um, where 
when I was in school so many years before many of you were born, um, it was a very local bridge and tunnel experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you come to a school here, in my case, SVA, and you're going to have this huge experience of meeting people from around the world. And um, <clears throat> we have to find a way to accommodate the needs of those students um, even better uh, and to be able to help students who are struggling academically and financially to get through mm-hmm. um, to get through school mm-hmm. because it's such an investment where it was an investment for me as, as a kid from the Bronx coming to SVA, but now, you know, an art school education at mm-hmm. any of the schools here is, is a, you know, a lot of loans. And yeah. um, fortunately, on the other end, there are jobs and, you know, students will graduate and get and do quite well. And it's so reassuring now to meet parents and to be able to tell them, like, you're, you know, Johnny's going to do okay. So, and when they're graduating, to, to meet them at commencement and and know and to tell parents that like this, you have a really great kid. Mm-hmm. You know that that's the first thing that they they swell with pride, but that they know that this wonderful child of theirs is going to be okay mm-hmm. and can move out of the house and yeah. you know all that. And where that was a lot trickier mm-hmm. back in the the early eighties mm-hmm. for for me, it was like, what are you going to do? You know, and the starting salaries were. I left. I started my first job at fourteen thousand dollars. You know, and I know it's a long time ago before you're I born mean, and all that, but that was you know, that's nothing. Not great. That's nothing. And I remember my dad sitting in the front, and he's just like, "What?" And I just saw him saying, like, "He's going to be here forever. She's never leaving." And I was like, "No, no, it'll get better, it'll get better." And luckily, it did, but it didn't have to. And for yeah. many people, it didn't. And for many people, they went off and did other stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I've been really lucky, and so now it feels like, like I can. Yeah, do something I think there's like still that. that whole like starving artist concept that unfortunately less a lot so, of parents. Less so for you think so? I think that's so. A, relief. A, a little less so because yeah. they're oh, good. they they see you guys go off and mm-hmm. you know go to companies that they're familiar with and yeah I think know. like even what's interesting is like I remember when I was um, applying I only applied to SVA to be honest that's like, what it I was did the one well. school yeah I was like this is the <laughs> one school there. I'm going to um, and my parents were like what are you doing and I told them like I know that design is going to earn me money. Like I, at that point, had had like some really low fidelity internships. Wink, weird. Uh, with mm-hmm. some, uh, like, with this like company in or a person run ran like this agency, and so I had worked with her and like understood that design was like a way to earn money. And like we did a bunch of pitches, and like she and the rest of us were like mm-hmm. really actually getting to work with really big clients. And I knew that because of that, like design was a thing I could do to earn money as an, like an income. Um, and so I had to convince my parents, but like after I went through the first year or so, like it was very easy to actually get like paid internships and there was a clear path forward. Um, and that was really awesome. I think the thing that was interesting at the time is that there wasn't a 
digital design focus yet um, mm-hmm. because I went like right around the time that uh, the iPhone came out and like smartphones were becoming more of a thing. Like I think that the time there was like in the graphic design program, which I went to, there was one web development, web design class. And I finished all the homework like in the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I spent the rest of the time like fiddling around, but it was still like, what is this? And so I had to figure out a lot of that by myself. And I know that now, like the nice thing is that digital and like product design are much more integrated. Um, user experience is like a full on focus now for a lot of schools. Um, I definitely think like, again, thinking about like a designer's impact and figuring out how to make sure that people aren't just doing design work. Like, like it is great to be able to, for example, work at Etsy and like impact millions of people, but that means I have to really strongly consider what I'm doing um, and make sure that I'm actually creating work that is impacting people in a positive way for them, not just for the businesses that I'm designing for. So the more that we can like get people to really consider what, the impact of their work actually will be, I think, the better we're going to be as a as as like a, a focus. When I was in school at SVA, just to contrast, um, when the year my last year, they were getting their first computers, not their first iPhones. <laughs> and it's like, should I take that class? Eh, I'll never have to worry about that. So, who knew? Progress. Yeah. <laughs> I was wrong. So, so this is a night about success. I mean, all of you people are here. We're talking about 300 episodes and everything. That's great. Let's talk about failure. Oh, yeah. Um, I think certainly as any designer knows, I think certainly as any black designer knows that there are ebbs and flows in the career. Sometimes things are going great. Sometimes it's not. When it rains, it pours, etc. Talk to me about one of your biggest failures and how you work through it. Bring, bringing me down, man. <laughs> Anyone can start. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I'll say that something that was interesting was working at uh, SoundCloud, like, right around, like, I don't know if anyone here read, like, the there was, like, a BuzzFeed article that came out, like, a couple of years ago around, like, SoundCloud and, like, what happened to it. And for those of you who don't know, SoundCloud is, like, a... Um, a platform where people can upload their own music or sounds of any kind. Um, so like Revision Path is on there, which mm-hmm. is super cool. And like one of the ways that I actually like subscribed to it and found oh, out nice. about it initially. Um, and I was actually hired to help them create this subscription service and figure out how to be a profitable company um, because they had like a, a, a creator focused uh, like hosting uh uh, subscription service, but that wasn't really actually contrasting enough financially with the amount of fees that they had to pay to like Warner Music and like all the other music companies or music labels rather. And so um, something that I learned while I was there was just like how hard it can be to um, like like why it is really important for a design, for example, to be embedded with product in a way where product and design impact each other. So there were a lot of times where we were trying to figure out how to actually like give user research feedback to uh, the product team and and to the CTO. And um, like basically we were hearing quite often like people don't actually, like listeners don't want this paid subscription service. And like it was really, really tough and challenging for me to uh, be in that situation where like initially I was really excited and like, yeah, we're going to like change the world and like 
we're going to make this company profitable. And then like just learning over time, like, oh, this isn't what people want at all. And like the things that we want to provide them, we maybe don't have like the right people to like build those things right now. And that's like, a, we need like another several years. Um, so like being a part of that like rise and then that fall was really intense. Um, and so we released it. Uh, we ended up like releasing what was called SoundCloud Go, and the numbers were not great. <laughs> uh, to be frank, yeah, the numbers were not great at all. Um, and so I was not part of the layoffs that happened after it because I had left a couple of months before that happened. Um, but like they laid off a bunch of people, and I was just like, ah, like this is what happens when. Um, when you don't listen to the people who are using your product and really like make sure that you center the the work that you're creating around them and like what actually interests them. So like now I think a lot about business models basically and I'm very much like how are you going to grow as a company? Like how can we make sure that the work we're doing is actually for people and not just so that we can say that we did something. Yeah. Mm, well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, the I don't know if it's failure, but I, I know I was at my most vulnerable and couldn't, felt like I couldn't do my job even on um, sort of cruise control, uh, coasting through it um, towards the end of my tenure at Spotco, which is um, a company that was then owned by one of my classmates, Drew Hodges, and I was creative director of design um, and this wonderful theater, doing theater posters and campaigns for Broadway. And it was great, almost decade that I spent there. And the last year um, was sort of um, plugging too many holes and this wall of water cascading towards me that was dealing with um, uh, two elderly parents. Uh, and their declining and then failing health and how to navigate that with my siblings while working full-time and teaching and doing freelance yeah. and trying to juggle it all and being the sibling or the child at the greatest distance from where my folks were then mm -hmm. living um, in their retirement community called Leisure Town. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and just trying to juggle all of that at once yeah. um, was a whole different struggle than anything I'd had career-wise um, to that point, or at, and have had since. Um, and knowing that I wasn't doing my job as well as I could mm -hmm. anymore, and I needed to step away and. Uh, spend some time figuring out the the senior stuff yeah. um, and uh, and so that was uh, um, a difficult time that I've I think I was still doing good work but mm -hmm. not great work and not uh, and had no nothing left for it because of all the other stuff yeah um, and so to come out on the other end of that, no longer having the parents alive, um, so there's that, but um, just be able to look back now a few years later um, and think like, God, that was like 
I was trying to power through this thing that was impossible. And, and just between brother and sister and myself, just yeah. the, all that goes with taking care of, of elderly parents and those last years and months and all that um, is just unbelievable. And that that's the, the, the failure for me is that I didn't leave sooner to be of more help. Um, mm. But the success is that I did have the time that, um, that I was able to spend just focused on that and work, but that. Mm. Um, so well, I'll share mine so I don't just leave y'all top out that. Right. No, I can't. I mean, that's not that's <laughs> no. a, that's a topping tragedy. I got dead parents. <laughs> um, so, what do you have? <laughs> Um, so for me, it was probably like 2016, 2017. Um, of course, Revision Path was still going. It was doing great. But my studio work was like declining sharply uh, to the point where even though people had been referred to me and they're like, oh, you do all this great work. You've won these awards, blah, blah, blah. It was still like but I could go get this done for $8 at Squarespace. Like it was like, I was still like competing with site builders this far into my career, this many accolades. And it's like, what is happening? Like, is it a PR thing? Is it like, I'm not understanding why the work that I've done and the clients I've had, the testimonials are not equating into me getting more work, getting meaningful work, et cetera, even with speaking and, you know, the podcast and everything. And so, I started looking for work because I was like, you know, I don't know if I really want to do the studio thing anymore. My parents were like never a fan of it. Like they were never a fan of me mm. doing my own thing. They like, you need to get a good government job with benefits and all that kind parents. of shit. Yeah. Um, so it was never something that they were like fanatic about. Like they were glad that I was able to pay rent, but then it was sort of like, well, how long is this going on? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can't do this forever. That sort of thing. Parents. Yay. Um, <laughs> So I started looking for a job. And I mean, I looked for a job for a better part of a year, just like sending out resumes for everything from junior designer to creative director, just like a shotgun approach, just <laughs> whatever will hit. And I remember I did this one interview, ironically, I can, I can laugh at it now, but I did this interview with a circus. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put out the name of the circus, but they're headquartered in Atlanta, so you should be able to figure it out. But um, I, I did a, a interview with a circus for like a, I don't know, it's like a design position of some sort, and they were like, oh, well, we really like Lion Tamer. They were like, yeah, well, we really like. I mean, hey, I mean, like, we really like your resume. We love the work that you're doing, um, and you know, they had heard of the podcast and everything. Like, oh yeah, this is great, wonderful, but like, we're really, you know. Did the interview, everything was going great. And they're like, we're looking for an app. Like, what do you know about app development? I was like, nothing, because I'm a designer. Oh, well, we really need an app. Like, can you help us with an app? Can you make an app? We're really looking for an app. Like, I don't, I don't do app development. I'm not a mobile developer. I don't, I don't do that. Oh, because that's what we're really looking for. I was like, well, if you're looking for an de app developer, why would you say you need a designer? <laughs> And to them, it was just like, all the same. right, like, what's the difference? And I'm like, why the fuck am I even sitting in this <laughs> chair with all this bull? And like, I, I didn't go back after that. <laughs> Ironically, they offered me the job and I didn't take it. Because why the fuck would I be doing app development for a circus? But that was, a, I mean, it was at a low point where I was like, wow. what am I doing? Like, 
I've been doing all this work. I've been getting these accolades and things have been going great. And it's like, it's not, it's not equating. Like it's not hitting for some reason. And oh, that was, that was a low point. I mean, I shut my studio down sort of, I mean, like in the end of December, I mean, Revision Path was doing well enough for me to subsist off of. This is not a humble brag, but like it was doing well <laughs> enough for me to like pay my rent and everything. So I was like, cool. But I was like, I was feeling like I failed in my studio because the work was decreasing. People would have heard of me, but then they don't want to pay me or they want to pay you like pennies on the dollar. Like, it was just like, why? Why? I was like, I know that my peers are not having to deal with this. Like, I know that other people I know that are at the self are not having to deal with this. Like, what is going on? And I got a job. So hey. I shut my studio down. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't mean that to say that that is what solved the failure, but that's kind of how I got through it was just like, let me, let me just like take a step back for a little bit and see what else is out there. But yeah. The working on your own part, I know for me after Spot, um, there's a period where I was, you know, taking care of the folks with my siblings and working independently like that. Mm -hmm. My folks, even with dementia for one, cancer for the other, they were still like, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? <laughs> I was like, oh, look who's back. Yeah. <laughs> Get a job. So what is risk? Yeah. I don't know what it's like to take risk, but my parents, yeah, they just hate it. Like the concept of risk is of course. not. Yeah. It's not there. You can't fail. No. I feel like parents want you to be safe. So I, yeah. I, I get that intrinsic, like maternal, paternal, we want you to do well and not have any obstacles but then it's also like I'm an adult like right. it's gonna happen so yeah didn't mean to bring the room down with that <laughs> um, let's let's bring it back up let's bring it back up so given all of that like the hardships that both of you have faced even when I was talking about like where do you pull strength from when those things happen a lot of therapy Okay. Yo, therapy, therapy is the way, <laughs> it is the way forward sometimes. Like, oh. yeah, I've definitely, I mean, like, deep within, like, the whole SoundCloud experience that I mentioned. Like, I mean, I felt like, I, I felt like I was responsible in some way because I was, mm. like, kind of hired to, like, run this, like, to, to help make yeah. the company profitable. And that obviously wasn't a thing I could do. And so, like, I had a lot of time where I was just, like, talking to a therapist. And, like, that was really valuable for sure. I, like, oh. highly recommend that if you're like in those moments because you like there are times where you just can't by yourself yeah you know like do like you can't do everything by yourself and I think that was like generally something that I've that's something I've I'm still learning but like I've continuously been relearning that forever mm -hmm. like I worked on this game for five years I should have definitely leaned on other people sooner like I do way too much all the time um and it's because like I definitely feel this pressure to like consistently like just be a strong person. But like the more that I've gotten used to being vulnerable and like expressing my feelings with other people and really talking about where I am in my life, like that's definitely helped. So it's funny because like in a lot of ways, like the strength comes from being vulnerable with yeah, people. Asking for help. Yeah. Like really, yeah. Like leaning on other people or at least like just sharing how you actually feel yeah, yeah, yeah. is really valuable. Yeah. See, I don't think my mentor is here. No, I don't see him. I vented to him a lot. I was like, why is this happening to me? And he's like, talkspace.com. You need to look into that. No, yes. but I mean, no, but the, definitely the thing about being able to talk it out uh, certainly is a really effective way, I think, of trying to 
get through it. What, what about you, Gail? Like when, when that no, was happening with you? The, where did I, you as I thing? said, it was a lot of therapy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, knowing that I can, I can talk to my friends, mm-hmm. and but I, they've got their own stuff, so I can't burden them yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. And I have to, um, but, you know, something that I've learned as I've gotten older, too, and is to ask for help, to delegate, mm-hmm. you know, to trust people to do their jobs and step in if there are problems and encourage them and push them up the hill and all that, but to to not feel like the only one who can do it is me and um, to be able to, yeah, to be able to delegate and um, be really excited to watch people um, that you've taught kind of bloom and go off and do amazing things and yeah. You end up working for them and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'd like each of you to ask each other a question. Well, I already I asked a you a question. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you all, you have been like briefly yeah. acquainted backstage, but what's a question you would like to get some insight on from the other panel? I mean, I, for you, um, because you're so young and perky and smart, and all that. Like a puppy. Like a puppy, yeah. That's so, you know, that's, that's so cool. Like, the sky's the limit for you. And that's so cool. What, like, what happens next? Oh, God. Um, I mean, I think, like, the thing I'm trying to figure out right now a lot um, is, like, like I, I've been working in design for about 10 years at this point. And I'm See, kind of like, like thinking <laughs> the amount of stuff that you've done. I, I know. I'm telling you, like, yeah, I just do too impressive. much all at the yeah. same time. And but yeah, like I, j- I think a lot about like, do I want to continue to do like individual contributor stuff? Like, what does it mean to get to like a point where you are past quote unquote senior as mm. like is defined by a lot of places, career ladders? Like, what does that mean? Does it mean like management? Like what is possible out there? So I'm thinking a lot about that these days and like what I like, cause I love growing people. It's just like, I don't really like the idea of fighting with HR, for example, and like having to deal with all that mess. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that seems like a whole thing. Oh, it's a thing. That, yeah, it's just <laughs> not, I'm not interested in it right now. So yeah, like figuring out what, gr- what growth means for a person who's still like more hands-on with the work, but like maybe is still like in a leadership role. Um, and I think that's huge. Um, it sounds like you have the best of both worlds right now. Yeah. That's the jam. Yeah, like seeing yeah. how long I can do that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, for, for you, like, I am so curious about, like, the education space and, like, what it means to, like, grow people in that way, especially, like, like how how did you get to where you are now in terms of, like, you're about to, like, take on this, like, huge this, amazing yeah. role well, I mean I've been teaching for 28 years mm-hmm. so I started teaching a few years out of school and continuing ed at SVA and then undergrad and then grad and pre-college and one class a year for most of my career because it felt like I'd had such amazing people and it sounds so corny but I had such great mentors in school and it felt like this is something I should be doing um and as it turned out uh i learned to become a good art director from uh, teaching and critiquing work and 
learn to be comfortable speaking in public as a young designer who was the age of the students um, at the time uh, by teaching. So there was so much that I got back from it. And as I got older, learning to be in touch with what younger uh, students are interested in and at early on what they read magazine-wise, and now that's sort of moot, but um, what they look at, some of uh, stuff that you're talking about now, it's like sort of taking all that in. Um, and uh, so the progression to to this new position was certainly not planned and is some is definitely unexpected uh, and scary because it's like a whole, it's like really diving in now. Um, and feeling responsible for, for these, these young lives and in a lot of ways in the beginnings of their careers and being on the constant search for people who want to teach. So she's looking. <laughs> I, I literally am looking. So <laughs> please get in touch. Uh, you know, this, I, it's been so nice over the 30 something years I've been working to have this sort of every decade or so have a new challenge. And so you want to remain sort of scared and challenged every now and then to, to dig in and do really well at what you're doing and then take a turn and do something different and then take another turn. And it'll, it'll keep you fresh, it'll keep you young. Um, and you know, you'll always kind of be a little scared, which mm -hmm. is a good thing. And I, then you'll start to coast mm -hmm. and then you're like, this is kind of cool. I can coast for a while. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no, I can't coast. I can't do something else. Yeah, so. I'm like super curious about like how you balance like like the thing that's hard for me is like I've done ad hoc teaching classes before where it's like maybe like a couple weeks worth of teaching and then I was like destroyed by the end. How uh -huh. do you balance that yes, all? For <laughs> you, uh, you just keep going back mm -hmm. and you have those moments of of some person you didn't expect who who really surprises you um, or somebody who makes this leap from being sort of not that great to being better <laughs> and just these little moments. Mm -hmm. And again, to see someone go off and do so well and feel like you may have had something to do with that is it's, that is it keeps you coming back. Yeah. You know, it also keeps you like cursing them out a lot. too. <laughs> you know, but, and we, but for the most part uh, it's, yeah, it's, at this stage, at this age, it's sort of a nice transition to doing something else. And, you know, who knew? So, and things, I've been fortunate that things have, have popped up over the years without my, like, doing this big search for them. And they've, they've always been things that's like, if I don't do this, like, I'm going to feel like, oh, you know, yeah. I, I got to at least try it. So. Yeah, I know that feeling. And in this case, to know that, I'm at an institution that I've got the support of people I've known for a really long time who are like, I got you back. Um, so I shouldn't really fail this time. <laughs> Come back with another failure story. <laughs> like, uh, my untimely demise uh, instead of my parents. Uh, but yeah, it's sort of, I got to take another chance again. Mm -hmm. So that risk. Yeah. Given how much like design is, is, I feel like these days relying on technology with tools, with positions, with companies. What does it mean to be a designer today? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like the thing that I usually think about is um, like this. This sounds really corny or like self-important, but I try to advocate for 
the people that are not in the room. Mm -hmm. um, so what I mean by that is like when I'm working on products or projects, I try to think a lot about what we're saying and who we're saying it to, who we're missing, um, and make sure that those people get represented in conversations. I work really hard to ask hard questions at, that sometimes make people uncomfortable because if I don't ask them, then that's might affect someone mm -hmm. in a way that we didn't expect. Um, so yeah, I think like the thing I think a lot about uh, as a designer now is how to facilitate conversations and bring people who help create the experiences that we're working on to a space in which they uh, really understand who is actually going to be using the stuff that we're working on. And I, I would add to that um, storytelling mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. That that's I've really enjoyed that over the years in uh, in really trying to think about the audience that is being impacted by whatever the thing is that that we're working on. Um, but I, I love storytelling and I love the the writing and the journalistic side of things and the editorial and all that. Still, so we definitely need more design writing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Last, oh, no, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, no, no. And, you know, there are a few people who do a lot of it. Mm -hmm. You know, one who I work with, Steve Heller, who does most of it. Uh, and, Steve's great, by the way. He's yeah. a great guy. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, he's been life-changing for me over the years, the books that we've worked on together, and just how smart he is and how it's all just kind of yeah. right up there uh, with him. And we need, you know... The, the award that you received to sort of grow grow more Steves. So it's up to you. To me? Okay. <laughs> is, is Anil still here? No. I'm, no. Yep, it's uh, on you now. It's on me. Son. Wow. Yep. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> uh, last question, then we'll, we'll open it up to the audience here. Um, what's the one thing that you wish you could really communicate to the design community? I mean, I know both of you are effective communicators and you've spoken, you've written, you've done a lot. But is there one thing that you feel like you just have to get out there? Um, I mean, I wish designers thought about the quote unquote sad paths more um, or like. Explain that. So what I mean is, so if you in, in, in engineering or in technology, we have this phrase that's called like happy paths, where it's like if everything goes right, this is what the outcome will be okay and i'm always like but what about if it doesn't go mm. right like i think it's really cool when teams have for example what's called a pre-mortem where they're like what if like what are you afraid that will happen oh God, that will go wrong right yeah. yeah i know i'm like <laughs> that's called anxiety yeah. like finally it has a use but yeah i find that to be super valuable because like i mean for example, like when I was talking about SoundCloud, like imagine if we had a pre-mortem or like imagine if we had thought about like all that stuff up front, like mm -hmm. not that a designer could have impacted like all the other people that were, you know, involved in that conversation. But yeah, I really encourage people to both like keep it super optimistic, but also be really realistic about the, 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 the context that you're in and like what's going on around you because that has a huge effect on the work that you're doing. Um, and also, yeah, like just make sure to test everything. Like I find very often that people do not actually put their work in front of anyone and they mm -hmm. just assume that everyone else will understand exactly what they're trying to say. I would like to see a sort of swirlier mix of designers out there 
um, that swirly, a sort of you know, uh, just like different kinds of people. Or, I mean, yeah, uh, okay. A different, yeah. I'd like to see representation from different communities out okay. there a little bit more, uh, even in a big city like this. Um, I would think it'd be easier in New York. Mm. Oh, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I come from Atlanta, so I'm biased. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm not you that biased. You would be so it's surprised. Pretty, no, yeah, you'd be surprised in Atlanta for real. But yeah. No. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So, uh, you know, I hope that I can have an impact on that in the coming years with with students and um, the people who hopefully will be attracted to the program. So we have sort of a swirlier mix of different kinds of people. Swirly, I really like yeah. that. Swirly, <laughs> that's dope, I like that. Um, that's my last question, thank you both so much. You're so relaxed and mellow. Yeah, just I've had two here. glasses of wine backstage. Hey. <laughs> so I'm, I'm good, it's like the end of the day for me, I'm good. So. No, thank you both for coming. I really appreciate it. Give him a hand, please. Congratulations. Uh, oh, well, thank Just you. saying. Thank you. Uh, Happy so anniversary. Let's open it up yes. for questions from the audience. You can ask questions to any of our panelists. You can ask me questions. Doesn't matter. But, uh, so. Oh, wait. Who's talking? I've been thinking about this question for a while. What's your name? My name's Andrew. All right. So. I guess how are we trying to grow the community of black designers? Um, I guess everywhere we go, whether it's social media, our companies, family members, friends, how are we trying to do that? Is that, is that to me? Or all to, three, to everyone? Three. Oh, all three. how? Well, uh, keeping this podcast going is a great thing. I mean, I think yeah. that's one way of doing it. Uh, this podcast has a much larger reach than I could have just myself like it's a international podcast uh hopefully doing more events like this is great to garner fellowship and to get people from online to offline i think what i've really seen over the years is that there's a, a large community online but they're not really connected in some way i mean there are people who i know that i've interviewed who have been in the industry 10 plus years and they're still like i haven't met any other black designers i was like you've been on my show <laughs> you know at least one there, you do at least one like i mean come on but um, definitely more offline fellowship, I think, is what's needed. I think mm -hmm. certainly tools like Twitter and Facebook and things like that have facilitated people to be able to communicate to each other or all around the world. Those links have to be made offline so they can be made stronger. So that way, what happens is the community really becomes a driving force. It can become something which, you know, helps with hiring, helps with apprenticeships, helps with networking and things of that nature. So. Yeah, it's really hard. It's hard in 2019 to do this. It's ridiculous that it's this hard that you have to make the effort um, when you're making hires to really uh, go beyond the people, you know, and go further. Um, you want an office again, that little swirly mix I was talking about. You mm -hmm. want an office that 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 has all kinds of people, but it's, it takes more work. And most people are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know anyone. And uh, it's really easy not to bother. Um, so we have to make an effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely like 
I always recommend to people, and the thing that I like to do is to go to conferences. I like to find the other one black person in the room and be like, oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and I always, yeah, I, right? Like, just other like, black person always wants to be like, oh, like, you're here, we're yeah. here. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what's your name? And even yeah. at school, I'm like, don't, I got yeah, you, I got right? you. Like, you nod. So, yeah. 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 That's super important. The, the conference we were talking about before, Hugh, uh, the uh, Hugh Summit. Hugh Design Summit, which is in Atlanta. Atlanta. I spoke yeah. there last year. And it was this little conference, and we're in this house, and it was a room of 30-something black designers. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I'd never spoken to 30-something black designers before, into a room of just black designers. And it's like, my God, I'm, you know, I've been doing this forever. <coughs> Again, longer than you've all been alive kind of stuff. And, and it was amazing to see this many people in this house sitting and having this great conversation and probably did the longest talk I've ever done and mm. was the most honest and it was so great that people was like, you know what I'm talking about? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and it was just, it was wonderful. And that this little community formed down there yeah. and, and that they, they have this, it's one's coming up soon that Eddie's speaking at. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, and I'm told there are a few more of those in different parts of the country. Like, where are they? In they're small, but they're. But yeah, I know. In, and it's in, all these yeah. kids there at the, saying that I work here and I don't see myself. Yeah. At my job and like stuff that I've read about, I met people who actually said things like mm-hmm. that. And yeah. It's like wow, you. Definitely, okay. like if you're in the Bay Area, check out the Interact Project. If you're in like Columbus, check out. Oh my God, I'm blanking on the name. Oh my God, Creative Control Fest. That's what mm. it's called. Um, but there are a lot of these little, like, mm-hmm. ha- actually coming up in October at Harvard Graduate School of Design. It'll be Black in Design 2019, Black Ooh. Futurism 2019. So oh, yeah. there's, they're happening. Yeah, there they're are things. Happen. You have to, the, 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 the hard thing is you have to know where to look very often. Mm-hmm. Or you have to, like, find that one person who then, like, suddenly opens the door. And it's like, whoa, wow. Yeah. I'm black. So. I don't know that one person. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I mean, what? just what? latch on to everyone. Yeah. That's been my secret. Yeah. Like, now I'm in, like, a million Slack groups. And they See, have shown me the me. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, the concerted effort that you talked about yeah. is, like, exactly what it ends up being. And, like, for me, it's also, like, I have a lot of these smaller group chats that I'm a part of where I just try to like stay in touch with people see what they're up to I also try to like recommend people for a lot of different things like jobs I try to recommend them for speaking gigs and stuff like that because like I want to make sure that everyone stays and that maybe at some point we end up in a place working together like I think but at the the same time you're still gonna have that moment that I've had my entire career as is my sister um, that it's like am I here because I'm the black like Oh yeah, that's always fun. Like that's mm, yeah, that's yeah. gonna follow you around forever. You know, no matter yeah. what you accomplish, no matter how you will, I still have it after oh, yeah. this much. At fifty-seven, after accomplishing so much, you know, through hard work and luck and all that, mm-hmm. that you still have those moments of like, really, is this just because, mm. or something happens? You know, mm-hmm. like, what just happened? So, Good times. Uh, you know, Ooh. you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, you sir. Yeah. Well, I wanted to say uh, first, thank you, Maurice, for continuing Revision Path and um, Miss Gail and Kat for showing up tonight. Um, my question is kind of piggybacking up your previous statement about navigating predominantly white spaces. I'm a fifth uh, quarter design student in Atlanta at Portfolio Center. Oh, nice. Shout and, out to Portfolio Center. <laughs> and I'm the only black designer in my quarter, and I find it that I have to kind of assimilate sometimes and I'm from Brooklyn so it's hard for me to just 
act like I'm not from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> Oh, I get it. Yeah, so it's like, how do I, how do you navigate these spaces, remain yourself, and mm-hmm. still, you know, make let your work kind of speak for itself, even though you look at things obviously different from the rest of the student and body. And you become the voice of all things black. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Really? Why do you care what I think? What? Right. Mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. <laughs> A lot of time with that. So. Stab. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like, for me, the thing that's been interesting is that answer, the answer to that question changes depending on where I go. Like, there are some places where it's real easy to just be like, this is who I am. And like, I, I mean, I'm from the Bronx. So like, sometimes people like react to things that I say in ways where I'm like, did you not think that that was going to happen? Like, you said something dumb, like, this is where it was going to go. Or like, (laughs) you need to hear this feedback. Like, this needs to happen. Your work is not like doing it right now. And so like, I think the thing that's been interesting for me is to, number one, like figure out how to communicate to people like where I'm coming from and like how I think and like why maybe we have some dissonance. And that's been really helpful, just like setting people's expectations and One thing, for example, that I did is I have a working manual, like, for working with me. So Mm. people now know, like, if you do not put an agenda in a meeting invitation, I am going to decline it. Like, Oh, you're one of those agenda people. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm straight up just like, this is how I work. This is what to expect. If you do not do this, like, we can talk about it, but, like, just know that this is where I'm coming from. And that's been really helpful for at least resolving some of those conflicts and, like, asking people how they like to work, too. Uh, has been really helpful for us to figure out together like how we can kind of work. But yeah, some places I've just had to compartmentalize and I hate those places Mm -hmm. a lot. The concept of a working manual. I like that. (laughs) That's really dope. I'm a robot. (laughs) No, but I I mean, it lets people know like this is how how the interaction goes. Uh, For me, it's always helped to just have something on the side, like Mm -hmm. some side project I can put those feelings or that creativity into doesn't have to be a public project but just something else to like channel it off into is what's helped for me um if you're in atlanta hit me up i mean well yeah you say you're in atlanta so yeah hit me up i'm curious to hear about the portfolio center how it is i spoke there one time it was all right but yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh you are okay all right yeah (laughs) yeah i mean sometimes you have to make the money you know and so you can't well, what I mean is like you, oh. you. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you meant me speaking at like the with phone. Like what projects, right? Because like oh, you yeah, can't yeah, always, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't always just choose <laughs> yeah. to to like quit a job when they're like, oh, like what do you think, singular black person who represents yeah. all human beings? And you're like, I hate all of you so much, and I wish I could just walk out right now. Like you can't always do that, and that is a coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. I think like yeah, counting, figuring out how long you can cope in mm-hmm. situations where you just have like terrible people is totally reasonable like when I went to SVA I think there were like six of us in a class of like a lot of people like hundreds and so like we all knew each other and we were all in different classes and like I had to commute from the Bronx and like everyone else pretty much lived on campus Mm -hmm. and it was very hard because I also had a job and so I couldn't devote the same amount of time and people just didn't understand Um, and so yeah I mean in those moments I definitely was like three more years two more years one more year (laughs) One month, and that helped me get through it. Um, and yeah, like sometimes with certain jobs, I was like, one year, six months, almost there. All right, let's go. And that helped too. <laughs> Hi, Stephanie. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, my name is Stephanie. Um, Maurice was actually 
well, I was Maurice's intern almost a decade ago. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> Has it been I'm that long? I'm so year old. Oh my! Uh, it's been that long. Wow! I, I found um, it was actually when he was doing an award show, yeah. um, and I found it somewhere on the internet. I was like, I need an internship to graduate. <laughs> I'm not going in design, I, and I'm not in design now, but it made me appreciate the space even more. Um, and then a couple years later after I graduated, he reached out to me about interns for Vision Path. <laughs> it was like a year after he started it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, you know, you have a marketing thing. You have a marketing internship. You know, I can do that for a couple months. I was like, come months. on down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So um, everything the guy said when I was walking in, it's true. Like literally a couple months ago, he was a reference for a job I was interviewing uh, for, got the job. Um, but Woo. all hey. since then, like he's, I will email him the most random things. And we talk in email maybe once a year. And he's always like, like I talk to him every day. So Definitely, I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so definitely get him. But anyway, the question. The question <laughs> is, um, Marisha used to always tell me, you need to learn HTML, you should learn HTML. Mm. Um, I never learned HTML. Okay. But, <laughs> and even to this day, I'm like, I can be making so much money. Mm -hmm. So what is one thing? He's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So when you said that, I'm like, right. yeah, that's me. Uh, so what is one thing someone told you you should learn and you didn't, and it came back to bite you? Hmm. Came back to bite me. <laughs> um, I don't know if it necessarily came back to bite me, but certainly when I was in high school. So for those of you who listen to the show, you know I'm from Selma, Alabama. Um, like the first generation after the movie, essentially. I'm sure some of you have seen the movie. Um, and so there's still a lot of like latent racism with a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. And so being a smart black person is not necessarily always to your advantage when it comes to educational opportunities or scholarships or things like that. And I would always have, well, my guidance counselor, I think she's dead, I don't know. But um, <laughs> she would always tell me that I had to like, she well, she might not be dead. I can be speaking over there. I say that to say, she would always give me advice like I would want to apply to these schools. And she's like, I mean, like, have you thought about learning the trade? Like, HVAC, Eric, you could go down to Wallace Community College. I know your mom works there. I was like, your husband works there. So, no. Um, I'm not going to necessarily say this came back to bite me, but like, my water heater blew up like two years ago. <laughs> and for some reason, that was just on my mind, like, should I have known the signs? Um, no, 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 okay, but to be serious. So it's something that I was supposed to learn and have come back to bite me. Um, that's a good question. I think anything that has kind of had to do with like, I don't wanna say like app development or coding, but like any sort of like hardcore coding stuff, I've definitely lost out gigs on. And so when I had my studio, I would just befriend people who were coders and then I could bring them in on the project. But um, it has certainly like in my early days, uh, that happened, I did like some political work that would happen because, or that would come back to bite me because I was working for someone who was a Democrat and then Republicans would wanna work with me and I'm like, oh, I don't know. And, It'll be things like that. Like, I'd lose out on business for, like, simple little things like that. So nothing, I think, like, too huge. But what about, what about y'all? A math bit me in the ass. Really? Oh. Not, not being, yeah, not being better at that. Mm. Uh, 
that I'm still embarrassed by uh, figuring stuff out sometimes. Like, it's not even get the calculator. It's just like, really? Like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. So that uh, not having that facility is embarrassing. I was working at a box office selling tickets to the symphony when I was in college. And when I got my math degree, they took my calculator away because they were like, you got it? Which I did, but that's not the point. Like, no, I, I envy that. Yeah. I'm glad I took personal typing in high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that was mm-hmm. a, a, good, yeah. a good plan. Yes. The computer did end up sticking yeah. and I yeah. knew how to type. That would have been rough. Knew how to type. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, math, ugh, embarrassing. Yeah. I think for me, like, even when I was younger, my parents would always be like, be patient. Like, mm. you need to learn to, like, slow it down a little bit. And obviously I've not learned since, but like I've gotten better over time at being like, okay, maybe like I'm doing too much or like maybe I'm asking for a lot. And I like, I, I think like the thing that I think about very often is like I look at a lot of other people and they've been like doing this for a lot longer of a time. And mm-hmm. like, I have to remind myself, like be patient and like calm down and like things are going to come, yep, they will. you know, when they yep. come and that's okay. And to take a vacation. Yeah. Take a break. <gasps> You are yes. not indispensable. You mm-hmm. can be replaced. All of, all of that. And you can take two weeks and go do something every now and then. Don't yeah. use the vacation that you're given. The work Don't, will be there. The work will be there. Um, and, you know, put your pennies together and travel sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just like I was so dumb that I didn't do that when I was younger. So... Hi, my name is Ron. I'm from Philadelphia. Ron! Um, Ron's been on the show, by the way. Hi. What's up, Ron? Uh, what's up, Maurice? Congratulations. <laughs> is um, your picture up there, Ron? I don't think uh, that I don't is. Know. My picture is like I don't think so. There was yeah, oh, like really? Where, I remember the we? month that it happened. It was like yeah. you, it was Natalie Nixon, who was also in Philly, Jessica Bellamy, and like somebody else. But yeah. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Um, I I heard first learned about design when I was younger in high school. I went to a Votech school mm-hmm. and they had it, you know, uh, in, in Philadelphia. And um, I hadn't heard of design school at all. Uh, someone had to tell me that these schools existed in my own city. And as a result of going to design school, I started going back to my my high school to recruit. Um, Flash forward now, many years later, I find in Philadelphia that that's still the case, that uh, I think there's someone I know, a friend did some research, and they found out that a lot of kids of color, especially African-Americans, don't know about uh, the design schools. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking that question wherever you guys are located. I know, Maurice, you're not here, but you guys are in New York. Uh, Is there any talk, do you ever hear conversations of the art and design schools trying to connect to the high schools so that more um, students of color could fun- learn more about what's out there? Hmm. I don't, I mean, so I'm in Atlanta and there are, there's a few art schools. There's the Art Institute of Atlanta. There's the Portfolio Center. There's Savannah College of Art and Design as a campus there. Um, but then there are also some of the major four-year institutions that have pretty good design programs, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, Um, Spelman has an arts program Uh, there's a a couple of others I don't know how much high school outreach they really do and I'm I'm thinking of that because I know that there is a high school there Maynard Jackson High School that does have like a 
design curriculum, like for kids, in the, I mean kids, for grades 9 through 12. Um, I don't know how much outreach those design schools are doing to high schoolers. So that's a really good question. I really don't know. I, I mean, just off my observation, I would say none, mm-hmm. but that could be <laughs> totally off. SBA does a lot of outreach to um, to high schools around the country. There are people from admissions who are scattered through the year going to schools, and um, there is a pre-college program in the summer and on Saturdays. Mm. It's fantastic in lots of different areas. Yeah, I went to that. You did the pre-college? Of course <laughs> yeah. you did. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and I've been doing work with um, with Cooper Hewitt. Uh, we've done some high school, um, uh, an incredible Saturday of, of students uh, around the city visiting uh, a, a fair and a teen fair um, one afternoon after school that kids were coming from around the country to this fair. So the Cooper Hewitt does a lot of work locally and in other cities. And we've gone... Uh, to other cities to speak at grammar schools as well, which is even more fun. So I know that I've certainly been trying to do that, and the institutions I've been connected with do that pretty well. What about you? Oh, God. I mean, I think, like, from what I've seen, it kind of (laughs) depends on, like, sometimes there are programs, for example, like, um, I did a fellowship while I was getting my grad degree at uh, NYU's IDM program, and I was working with high schoolers uh, in that case, and we I was teaching them how to make video games in this case, and got to like talk a lot about like what it means to design things for other people, um, and that was really cool. But it does feel like a lot of these uh, programs are very one-off, and it really depends on like if you're in the right place at the right time. And I I don't know how to solve that. That's like a huge issue. (laughs) Um, Like, I don't think I would have been, I would be here if like a random program hadn't given me a computer when I was like nine or so. Like all these random factors kind of contribute. Like the nice thing is that there are some programs that are like trying and um, some people are definitely getting to learn about things. There are a couple of other, like, because there's so much STEM stuff happening now, I feel like at Mm. least people have a sort of path of entry to learn how to code and then figure out, okay, like maybe the coding part of it isn't as interesting. Like there are other parts of it though that are related to creating these experiences. Like maybe I can do something like that. So I'm definitely confident that at least in New York, people are really trying and more kids are definitely becoming aware of design. You? Hey, how's it going? Um, I'm Jose, by the way. Hi. I'm actually at SVA, so it's great hey. to see um, like successful alums, and you know, it's it's great that you're going to be my chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to ask, um, what kind of responsibilities do like up and coming designers have nowadays? Because we, I mean, we live in like a very troubling era, you know. And um, what kind of ripple effect will that have in the future? You know, because it's like what you put out into the world eventually gets seen. Mm. Responsibility. I mean, you have to make an effort to use materials that are responsible uh, to be passionate about something, you know, and. and step outside the sort of make it cool part of design. So you've, you've got a lot 
they on your head, just so you know. So I don't know if I'd use the word. I feel like responsible implies a certain level of autonomy that designers may not have in an equal fashion. Um, yeah. I think it's more about impact. Like what impact? I think it's the can, same thing, kind of. You think so? Yeah. Like, like what impact can your work have? Because I'll be especially if you're a digital designer. A lot of our work is very ephemeral. Like the next version <laughs> yeah. of whatever is going to erase everything that you put work into. But, but and still, then, but find the thing that that uh, that if if that's ephemeral, that isn't. And that's for me yeah. what the teaching mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. It was like okay, like I'm doing all this fun stuff at Rolling Stone. What is it that I'm doing that you know? Mm. That I can make change. Like it's tangible. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was the teaching for me was that thing so many years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's all about impact. And yeah. I guess I'm equating the two somehow because mm -hmm. like I expect you to do this now. <laughs> so because I, I get to say that because I'm in charge. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would love to see more designers getting into civic design of some yes. sort. Whether okay. that's um, working with local or city or state governments, what have you doing more things where your design work can make an impact on a broader scale. Um, you would be surprised just, I mean, I know in Atlanta we have like a ton of like neighborhood planning meetings and neighborhood planning units. And even just like going to one of those and sitting in and designing a flyer has so much impact just in terms of, because they don't have anybody there that does that. I mean, even I think on the city government level, certainly yeah. that's, Something where design, I feel like, can have a great impact. I like, mean, imagine if someone actually like designed the voting ballot. Well, that be wasn't, nice? wasn't, yeah, wasn't that's a whole other. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, so like the, the voting ballot design is tricky because like yeah. it's so different across oh, like God, yeah. states and jurisdictions and yeah. everything. I think AIGA tried to take that mm -hmm. on for a while and was like, I, I, right, like, I don't ooh, have it. Yeah, away. pretty much. Yeah. Um, but even to that effect, I mean, I think one thing that is is clear that we've all seen is the the effect of design on how it can impact us on a much larger scale. When you think of things such as fake news or anything mm -hmm. like that, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with fake news, we'll, we'll say that. Fake news or even like types of things that you see on Facebook from these well-designed, clearly fake sites or whatever, it's designed in a way to fool you or fool whomever to thinking, oh, this is real news when like fox-news.com is mm -hmm. not a real, news site no you know like that sort of thing mm -hmm. you know so we see how design is already kind of playing into ways that are impacting us on much larger broader scale so thinking of like how your impact can help on a civic level i think is is really important did you have something to add to it or oh, you good? Yeah. hello hey it's regine hey regine oh, hey uh, so all of you have, uh, thank you all for being here, by the way, all of you have evolved uh, throughout your careers. And so my question to you is, what recommendations do you have for designers so that they can continue to evolve themselves? Because I think it's really important for people to evolve as they, they grow in their careers. So what, what advice do you have or what you know, tips do you have for uh, the designers of today? Look up, look around, put your phone down. Uh, you know, just be aware of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. And that seems like the silliest thing, but it's a world of everybody looking down. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have to keep beating the drum about design writing just because mm -hmm. there's such a dearth of it, I think, from people of color in general. I mean, certainly we have 
the very venerable designers that are creating and writing books and articles and things mm -hmm. now, which is great, but where are they going to be in 25 years? Mm -hmm. Who is the next generation of design writers that are coming up that are going to speak about design across a number of different levels? I think certainly we've seen with, let's say, we'll say, I don't want to say pop culture writing. That's not the best way to put it. But like we've certainly seen in popular writing, like from The Atlantic or from other types of outlets where you started to see like this new guard of people that are like the next intelligentsia or what have you. Mm -hmm. Where is that with design? So I feel like if a designer is going to try to evolve in that way, think about how you can become on that level. Mm -hmm. And I think writing is the way to do that. Yeah, I think like the thing I thought a lot about as I was growing uh, as a designer is what are the actual activities that I'm really interested in doing? Like what are the things that engage me about the work regardless of where I end up doing it. And that's helped me to make sure that I am doing the work that I'm doing because it is valuable to me rather than because I'm expected to like mm -hmm. climb the specific career ladder or like specifically focus on certain things. So I think being open to um, positions or work that you maybe weren't expecting to be able to do or have access to and really just kind of like going with things and taking risks sometimes has mm -hmm. been really valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We've got time for one more question. Yeah. Hi. Um, what's, I'm not a designer, so what is design writing? Ooh, what is design right now? Design writing? Design writing. Oh, design writing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So design, well, we can ask one more question after that. Uh, design writing is essentially... Um, essays or prose or description or commentary relating to the design industry. So that can be a book about design education. It could be an article about your experience as a designer. Mm -hmm. Basically writing about the industry that you are in from a level of observer and also as maybe as curator, practitioner, curator, tactician, yeah. etc. Yeah, I mean I've yeah. worked on uh, 16 books over Ooh. the last 30 years Dang. with Steve Heller and uh, one on my own. Uh, and we're working on one right now and Maurice and I might be doing something together. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my thing is sort of typography, uh, illustration. Um, there there's so many, graphic design-wise for me, areas to explore and to curate work from around the world. Uh, and categorize and organize. And yeah. um, luckily, design books are not that expensive anymore for the most part. And if you have room, buy them, yeah. you know, because they go out of print so quickly and you mm. will regret not having them. Um, and certainly, so that's, that's where I still live in terms of writing. Mm. But of course, there are yeah. blogs and I had every to, other I bought place. A book. Do you know Eli Kintz? He did a book in the 80s about visual puns. Oh, to, yes, of course. I had to buy that book yeah. off eBay. Like, it was hard. Oh. I could, it, you can't find it anywhere. But, yeah, yeah like, those things go out of like, yeah. print so easily. So when you see yeah. it, buy it. And if you're interested in writing, um, I am on the editorial board for Rosenfeld Media. It's, like, one of the design book companies. Like, I'm happy to share information with you about submitting a book proposal, like, 
you can do it. It doesn't matter what level you're mm-hmm. at. Like yeah. they, people want to hear from people of all like skill levels and stuff like that. So if you're ever like, I should not write because I don't have enough experience, that's not part of it. Or like, oh, other people have already talked about this thing. Like your opinion is different and interesting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. definitely put yourself out there and speak and write and just share your voice, please. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now the last question. All right. Go ahead, okay. Sir. To close it out, it's a twofold question. First okay. part is, as a designer, which is more important, either the technical or the conceptual side, and then the last part is, uh, as experienced designers, what resources or books would you guys suggest to help develop your either design style or just become a more proficient designer? Uh, for me, conceptual more than technical. Uh, you can a technical yes absolutely but conceptual is the thing that excites me more mm-hmm. um, and is has been more va- more valuable to me over the years yeah like if if you, you like I for example like I talk to people sometimes and they're like should I use Figma or should I use Sketch and I'm like does it matter like can you do the work and like come up with the ideas that are really like impacting people in in a way that is valuable to them. So I think um, the more that you can like do in terms of like interpersonal or like facilitation conversations, really like coming up with ideas, that is the Mm -hmm. stuff that's much more valuable. Yeah. And work that makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also say conceptual because there's always, unfortunately, I mean, I hate to say this as a truism, but like there's always going to be someone out there that could do it better, faster, Mm -hmm. cheaper, et cetera. Um, but they may not have your idea or your mm-hmm. way of approaching Absolutely. or your thought process to get to what the concept is about. Mm-hmm. You can find someone to help you with the technical part. Yeah. And what was the second it. part of your question? The second part was any resources, books. resources or books. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Revision path? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, resources or books. Um, I mean, we can make a list. Yeah, I have yeah. a list of resources of on my website, catsmall.com. There's a whole, ta- there's literally a, like, a link that says resources in there. So if you, like, want to check that out, there's literally, like, a, a blog post that's called Advice for New UX Designers, and it has, like, ten books on it <laughs> that I read. Um, I mean, there's a lot of classics that are out there that people always talk about. Um, I really liked, for specifically for, like, UX design, I really liked the user experience team of one. Um, Don't Make Me Think is, like, the classic one that yeah. everyone references, and it's good. Like, it, it, it makes you think and sometimes can be provoking in a good way. Um, but, yeah, there are so many... <laughs> You've written books. I can tell you sixteen of them. That yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> books and things. I don't. Hmm. No, I'd be happy to make a list. Yeah. Okay. You should. I want to. Yeah, I want to read your list. Yeah. I was about I to say. I want to hear your list. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What's a good like book or resource? Oh, so this is going to be like oh no, well, I'm not going to say that. Um, is it no, it was going to be a glitch.com like tie-in, I mean, but that would have been really obvious. Uh, let me think. <laughs> a good book that I, re- and, and I think for me because I'm a, I, well because I was a freelancer for so long, this book has really helped me out. It's uh, it's a book called this is so cliche, but it's called Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm. Um, that book has really like sometimes been like just like the kick in the ass that I needed to like do the thing or say the thing or write the thing or whatever. So I still read it every year, but it's like such a cliche answer. So no, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I oh, really? Either. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, it must just be. Okay. Well, crush it by Gary. <laughs> He's in New York. I'm sure he would appreciate mm-hmm. the plug. So yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Wrap it up. All right. Thank you everyone for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Congratulations.
<laughs> All right. So uh, I guess we can like wrap up the Thanks, Internet. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, don't wrap up For yet. those of you who are not subscribed yet, you can go to glitch.com forward slash revision path. You can subscribe there. You can also subscribe on just revisionpath.com. Um, I guess I can I tease this? Tease away. So our 300th episode is coming up on June 17th. And uh, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say who it's going to be. It's, okay, fine. I don't even know what the live stream is still going, but it's going to be. Um, we're going to be talking to Hannah Beekler, who's the award-winning Ooh. production designer from Black Panther. So it's going to be a great conversation. So yeah, that, that episode is going to air on, on June 24th. So it's coming up at the end of the month. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Gail Anderson, Kat Small, the staff at The Green Space, and of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Gail and Kat, including their earlier interviews on Revision Path, through the links in the show notes at glitch.com forward slash revision path. This episode is sponsored by Sappy North America's Ideas That Matter program a grant competition that supports designers partnering with nonprofit organizations on social impact projects. Since the start of the program 20 years ago, SAPI, a maker of high-quality printing, packaging, and release papers, as well as dissolving wood pulp, has witnessed firsthand how the creative work of designers can change society. They remain committed to the belief that good ideas inspire people to take action, and great ideas can change the world. If you'd like to submit a project you care about, the 2019 deadline to apply for a grant is July 19th. To learn more about the program, visit sappy.com forward slash ideas that matter. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like Glitch but for designers, Abstract is your team's version-controlled source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs, all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 30-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Revision Path is a Glitch Media Network podcast and is produced by Deanna Testa and edited by Brittany Brown. Our intro voiceover is by Music Band Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. We're also powered by Simplecast, the easiest way for podcasters to publish and distribute audio on the internet. Make sure you check the show notes for a link to sign up for a 14-day free trial. And if you liked this episode, then please let more people know about it by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes about a minute or so to do, and it really, really helps spread the word about Revision Path everywhere. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your favorite shows. And make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Revision Path. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.